0: On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Riley, and Riley was in a controlling relationship with a triangulating physical abuser. It's a story of self-love deficit, fixing potential, financial abuse, intimate partner violence, and the struggle to leave for good. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. I am Brandon Chadwick, and with me today, we have Riley. How are you? I'm
1: good. How are you?
0: I am doing well. And before we get into your story, if you want to be a guest on our show like Riley is today, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. Top of the page, there's a button there that says Guest Form. When you click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page. Please read all of the instructions and either send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com or... Fill out our guest form page and press the submit button. And if you need support, if you need to be in a support group where we have Zoom meetings, we have that at our website as well. So join our support group by pressing the button at NarcissistApocalypse.com. And inside, we have our very own forum boards, and we have Zoom meetings every Wednesday night, every Thursday afternoon, and every Saturday night as well. We have ad-free episodes on there, and we have episodes that never made it to air. And if you just want to support our show, because we could get all the support we can, um, please do join our support group. So today, you're going to hear Riley's story and a big trigger warning for this episode, we discuss childhood sexual abuse and physical abuse. Uh, there's also, uh, as an adult, we have sexual coercion, sexual abuse, physical abuse as well, and financial abuse. So this is a big trigger warning for this episode this episode uh, might not be for you because there's a lot of it and it's uh, there's some graphic detail in in some parts so if this isn't for you please turn off this episode right now and another thing to note here is that technically the relationship is over but this story um, isn't over it's it's there's still a trauma bond uh, that is going on and there's still Uh, contact and there's still uh, relations between Riley and her uh, ex and that is still ongoing and it's something that uh, we don't hear a lot of these stories on our show, but this is one of them where someone is still not quite out of it, they're almost out of it. So a big thank you to uh, Riley for being here with us today and sharing her story and now, without further ado, Riley, the floor is now yours.
1: Well, thank you. I'm um, very excited to be on the show. I listened to quite a bit of your show, actually. I won't say every single episode, but um, quite quite a few uh, survivor stories. Oh, so, um, growing up, my parents got divorced when I was about three years old. And my brother, my sister, my mom and I, we moved away from my dad. And um, everything was good. It was like a good split. We would see my dad every other weekend because he worked a lot. And then my mom would just work on the weekends out. We weren't there. Um, When I was, I don't know the exact age that it happened because I really thought it was a dream for the longest time because I didn't understand what happened to me, but I was molested by my babysitter when I, I say seven I because I wasn't old enough to comprehend what happened to me when it happened, but when I was about ten, I understood like what sex was and everything, and I kind of like put it together and I um really had to sit down with myself and make myself understand that it wasn't a dream. Like dreams don't take uh, this much out of you and control so much of your life. Um, So, yeah, I was, I was molested when I was seven. And then when I was eight, my dad actually put a gun to my mom's head in front of me and my sister and shot bullets up near an apartment complex. And he lost everything. He moved in with my grandma, which is uh, his mom. Um, And then she took us in and we started going there every other weekend up until they both passed away um, in 2016. My dad just never got back on his feet after that happened. Um, He was a computer scientist and like losing everything. He was probably a bit narcissistic, but not really towards us. Like you could definitely tell that he loved us. He always tried to put us first, even when he had nothing But my mom, um, she was good starting out. And then when I turned about 10, she got with my stepdad, who is actually her first love. They met when they were 13 and 14. Um, My stepdad wanted her to have a kid when she was 18. She wasn't about it. So he actually ended up cheating on her, got somebody else pregnant. And then they went their separate ways. Um, My mom met my dad when she was 19. But yes, so when I'm 10, they meet. um, And within seven months, they get married my stepdad was really nice at first. Um, after they got married, he kind of flipped the switch. Um, I don't really think he is a narcissist, but he's, he definitely has aspects of one. Um, he's very, very controlling, very self-centered all about him, but I, I don't think he is actually a narcissist, but he was, he made growing up brutal for my brother and I, um, when we were teenagers, he really just tried to get us records. Like he, he wanted us to go to juvie. Like he would call the cops on us for not taking the trash out or not doing dishes, stuff like that. And, um, I forgot to say we did acquire, uh, some siblings when they got married. I, I acquired two stepsisters who, um, lived with us up until now we're all, all adults, but for growing up most we all lived together um but he never called the cops on his children but my mom kind of got fed up with him calling the cops on us so um one time my stepsister got in trouble my mom actually called the cops on her and my stepdad never called the cops on us again so he he just uh me growing up not the easiest um he was very emotionally abusive and honestly he still kind of is he doesn't know how to control that part of him he just will use if you hurt his feelings he will use whatever against you and um so yeah um that's basically my childhood my childhood was not the best it wasn't the worst either it's not like I was getting raped every day or beat every day but definitely um went through some obstacles never really learned uh self-love because of it, um, which followed me into adulthood and uh, lacking self-worth.
0: So when you were uh, younger, you and your brother, you had these uh, step-siblings as well at a certain point. What was your role within uh, the family? Were you a quiet uh, kid? Were you uh, talking back to anyone? Um, and did you learn at a certain age that if you did talk back, then it got worse? Um, it, besides, I guess, the self-worth issues that were, uh, happening, um, I guess, what were these other things that you, maybe you didn't realize were, um, traits that you were inheriting that would hinder you later?
1: So, uh. When my mom and my stepdad got married, we needed a bigger house. So we moved from my mom's house into a blended house together. But my mom actually started uh, nursing school. So she was working full-time, plus she was a full-time student. So she was not home for a few years. It was like two and a half years. She wasn't really there So my stepdad kind of took advantage of that and he made himself scarce as well. So my brother is the oldest, but he was always in sports and stuff. So I was the second oldest. I kind of took on the role of being a parent at the age of like 12 because I was the only one home to take care of my three younger sisters. Um, Talking back though, yes, so... We learned from a young age, not to talk back to my stepdad, basically what he says goes, because yes, if we did, it got worse. Um, he, He literally made us get in a circle and take turns spanking our asses until we would tell on each other and or... We would get grounded for like an extended period of time. It would be for like two weeks to a month. It was never under two weeks to a month. And say we got grounded from our phone. If we asked while we were grounded, he always added on a couple of weeks. Um, So with him, we didn't really talk back unless we were set off. Um, my mom on the other hand when she came back after graduating nursing school I had no respect for her because of her being gone and it was literally us taking care of ourselves for the last two and a half years so my mom kind of had to try to put me back in my place but I'm not gonna lie I was not a good teenager growing up I um I didn't understand a lot. I was very naive. I put myself, I knew everything though. I thought I did anyways. I put myself in situations I shouldn't have. And yeah, I definitely talked back. My mom and I did not have a good relationship up until I was like 22 years old.
0: Also in high school, did you have any uh, relationships? If so, how did those go? And what were your beliefs about uh, relationships after high school and going forward into your life as an adult?
1: I had two, well, one serious relationship in high school, and then one was like my first like ever relationship and my first ever relationship, it was kind of long distance. It was, we lived a half hour away from each other, but I didn't drive and he did. And, um, he ultimately ended up cheating on me. And I took that very personally. Um, I didn't handle that well. I actually quit eating, for like a week, I got so depressed and I ended up in the hospital because I went to school and I was dry heaving stomach acids and that whew, that hurts. That's a whole new level of hurt. It, that was not good. So I ended up in the hospital because of that relationship. But the outlook that I had on myself, literally going into adulthood about relationships was that I'm unlovable. I am here to hurt. I was here, I put, I was put on this earth to um, give love, not really receive it.
0: And before we discuss the relationship that brought you to this podcast, what were you feeling like when you thought about relationships and what you were looking for? Was that a part of your process? Did you have like a value system or were you um, looking for, you're obviously looking for love and to be accepted by somebody. Um, Where was your bar, I guess, of what you were willing to accept or were you even thinking like that?
1: No, I didn't really have um, a standard or a bar set. I, I figured I was good, but I never took the time to actually like heal myself and, um, my childhood traumas and stuff. So I didn't really have boundaries, um, moving forward with any other relationship, nor, nor did I think that I even had standards. Like I had certain standards in my head, like, Oh, he has to be, this attractive and this nice, but, um, really, I guess it would be the attractiveness because moving into my next relationship, it wasn't, he wasn't really that nice. If that answers that.
0: So tell us how you met this person.
1: So I had a mutual friend with him And, um, he was staying with my mutual friend for a few weeks. And I didn't know that my mutual friend, he was gay. Well, he was bisexual and he kept telling me about this really cute guy that's been staying at his house and he really wanted to get with him, but he didn't know if he was like that, but he was just cutest guy ever, blah, blah, blah. Well, I didn't know that our mutual friend actually told um, my son's father about me and he sent me a request on Facebook and messaged me, but his name was not his name on um, Facebook because of being in trouble with the law and stuff. He didn't want like his parole and or probation officers to be able to find him. So he actually messaged me asked me if I wanted to talk to him on the phone. He told me his actual name and I didn't put two and two together that this is the same guy that my friend is talking about that's staying with him. Um, after I talked to him on the phone though, he asked me if I knew my mutual friend and I told him yes and then it clicked in my head that that is the same exact guy that my our mutual friend was talking about. So I went over I'm pretty sure the first time I met him, I always get confused if it was at his mom's house. No, it was at our mutual friend's house. Um, They picked me up. I went over there. I hung out with them. And then I went home the next day. And then um, I ended up going to his mom's house, like maybe within a day or two after that. And then after that, him and I were just inseparable.
0: So did you know early on that he had been in jail?
1: Yes, he told me that he literally just got out of a relationship. He was two weeks out of a relationship, um, one month out of jail Um, for like four years. He was locked up all together, three years in prison, was out for like if 90 days and then went back to jail for a year. So yeah, I didn't I didn't see like a big red flag with that. I'm like, oh, people change. Usually when people get out of prison and stuff, they want to make their lives better. They want to get on their feet.
0: So you two are inseparable pretty quickly. How far into relationship uh, are you two attached at the hip?
1: So we met two, maybe three times. And then I was actually living at my mom's still. And my mom is old fashioned. She, even though I'm well over 18, she never allowed me to have guys spend the night, but, um, she worked all day. So what I would do is, um, I would have my son's father, come over in the evening when my parents were asleep and then um in the morning when after she left for work I would just call her and be like oh hey he's coming over to hang out for the day and then before she got off of work I would be like oh he just left and we did that for like a week and she did not find out but then after that she I think started to catch on and he actually didn't have a place to live. So we ended up going to one of his friends house and we stayed there for a couple of weeks, but she has like five kids and they were always in our stuff and it was just too much. So after that we moved to his uncle's house and we lived there for like six or seven months until I got pregnant. And then my mom helped us get the apartment that is in my name that I'm actually at right now.
0: So in the early stages of your relationship when you become uh, attached to each other so quickly. Uh, what are the things that uh, he is saying to you? Uh, what do you like about him uh, the most? How is he winning you over? Is it through trust? Is he seeing you in a way that you've never been seen? Uh, what are the biggest things that suck you in?
1: So, yes, definitely, um, being seen in a way that I've never felt and or been seen. Um, he made it a thing to tell me every day how beautiful I was. Um, the way he looked at me, he always wanted to be with me. And I never had that before. I always struggled with people actually loving me. And I don't think I would ever ever was really loved and this was like the first time in my life that yes it was happening super quick like we were telling each other that we loved each other after two weeks of knowing each other and i i saw that as a red flag back then and i still do today but i didn't care i um i really liked the way that he made me feel he made me feel like one in a billion he made me feel like i was the most beautiful girl in the world that i was easy to love. And that's what really got me. Um, he listened to me. Um, I, what I felt for him when I first saw him, I thought he was the most beautiful man in the world. He was tall. He was built. He had tattoos, um, beautiful hair. He was just just beautiful. He, he is just beautifully made. And, um, I, I could see that he was hurt, um, deeply and, uh, I think that made me fall for him more because I never really dealt with my childhood traumas. So I kind of viewed him and saw the potential of what he could be, especially with him being fresh out of jail. I, I just saw so many opportunities for him in my head for what a great guy he could be if we could heal together and help each other through our childhood traumas and just build. And I just... I thought I was going to marry him. I really did. I I wanted to for a very long time too. Um, He just made me feel very seen, very unique, uh, very individually beautiful in my own way um, is how he made me feel. And I think that's what really got me.
0: So what were some of these uh, traumas uh, that uh, he went through as a kid?
1: So um, he was beat by his dad since the time he could walk so his dad broke his nose when he was eight years old like he was beating the shit out of him and um he got actually and he was beating his mom too and then his mom she obviously couldn't beat his dad so um when he was a child she, If she got her ass beat for anything, she would turn around and be my son's father for looking like his dad because they are, like, identical. They look so much alike. He ultimately ended up getting taken from his mom and his dad and went and lived with his aunt. And um, she, she beat him, too. Uh, so he was just, he was beat um, growing up. Um, and he was the only one that I of his five, there's five of them all together, all blood siblings, full blood. He was the only one that was beat like this or in general. And he went from home to home. And he was the only one that bounced from like home to home like that too. So I think uh, growing up, he didn't, he never really knew what love was nor how to express it. Healthfully, because all he ever saw was, um, "If you love somebody, you beat them."
0: So here you are. You're overwhelmed by the feelings of being seen, uh, by someone who's appreciating you for who you are. And the big thing that you said is that you are uh, you are always hard to love or everyone made it seem. Like you were hard to love. And here's someone that's showing you that it's easy to love you. Yes. And if that isn't a sell right off the bat, I don't know what is for someone who has that going on. Who wouldn't have that override every other thing that's going on. And then you find someone who has trauma. And you understand what they went through. And you see... Potential, and there's nothing that you did wrong in in anything here. You know, you saw potential in someone. You wanted to give someone this break that they're giving you, yeah, in in the exact same way, and uh, you're getting this thing. Uh, you know, the, the thing that's done wrong here is that you're, you're getting your worth from an outside source and not from yourself. But, but at the time you don't have the vocabulary for that. And most people don't, they haven't had these experiences who are at least listening to the show, um, to know that, uh they're trying to get this stuff from outside of themselves. And in uh, this case, uh, what you're trying to get right now is, uh, is love. Um, he's idealized you and you've also idealized him as as well. This is, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people think that they can change someone and a lot of people think that, you know, they can fix or they see the potential, um, and that you can be that love for him that he never got and show how it's actually done. And in a, in a way it's a fairy tale. It is. Um, you know, it's a real big fairy tale of two people that came from pain and a lack of love and coming together and teaching themselves. I mean, who wouldn't want to see that movie? (laughs) You know, I think everyone would like to see that movie and have it work. That is a Hollywood movie right there. So, Once all of the, I guess, honeymoon period ends in the sense of there haven't been any types of abuses, Um, when we spoke previously, you said the biggest thing was, at least at the beginning, was control and controlling of everything. So when do the first signs of control start taking hold and um, what do you think of of those things and and how are you conforming?
1: So we were laying on um, our friend's bed. This was where we were staying um, the first like two weeks that we were together um, with the five kids. We were, I was laying in his lap and I was scrolling through Facebook and I liked a status that some guy shared it was probably a meme but it didn't matter and he started freaking out on me like zero to 100 in 20 like 2.5 seconds if that and he was screaming at me like I cannot believe you would disrespect me like this like you are liking guy's stuff right in front of me like that's not okay like he was completely ready to like break up with me and now I can see it that he was testing to see how much he could get away with controlling me and how I would react and if I would want to stay and or if I I should have pushed back but I didn't have boundaries nor, nor did I ever like um keep boundaries I always just let them crumble so he starts freaking out on me about this and I'm just shocked like this is the first time I'm seeing him in a different light and I'm I'm thinking in my head like this is the dumbest thing ever like I just I liked a meme yes a guy may have shared it but what what does that even matter it's social media but no that's not what I say to him I tell him I will delete any guy I will stop liking every guy's stuff. I will not add guys. I will not talk to guys. Guys will not be a thing in my life anymore. Just calm down. Forgive me for this. And um, yeah, I, I will help delete every guy that I need to. And that's re- that's really how that started. Um, he he's He's an aggressor. He's very aggressive. He's very quick to anger. That is one thing I need to point out with him. Very quick.
0: And were you afraid that if you did not conform that the relationship was over right there? Yes. So already right here, the power balance is in his favor. Yep. And he, he's already given you what you uh, wanted. So now he can really do anything pretty quickly to take it away and you're too afraid to do anything because that you were seen in a way that you've never been seen before. And you don't want that to to fade away in any sort of way. It's you caught lightning in a bottle and you don't want to get rid of that bottle, even know that that thing is going to electrocute you.
1: Exactly. I, um, I was so wanting to be loved that I didn't care, um, especially feeling the love that he gave me. I didn't care. I would have done anything to keep him happy. And um, that's what I tried to do.
0: And after a moment like that, when you conformed after he was angry, did he try to smooth things over?
1: He if Okay. So if I complied with him, then it was instant. He would switch back. He's not angered anymore. He's not yelling, screaming at me. He's like, okay, if you can do this, then we'll be good. Um, I love you. And then it's back to cuddling or, you know, doing whatever and being okay again.
0: So after that happens, uh, I guess, what are some of the bigger events that occur throughout your relationship where, uh, the control, um, starts to really gain momentum.
1: So especially when we moved in together, if we ever got into a fight, he would take my phone. That's the first thing he's doing. Even if he knows we're about to fight, he's taking my phone. So I cannot call anybody. So he can do whatever he wants to me. And that's just what it's going to be. And also on top of that, he will lock me in a room. It doesn't matter. It's whatever room that we're fighting in. He will absolutely not let me out of that room. I am not allowed to walk away to try to cool off. I just, I have to endure. I, I can't get past him. Um, trying to fight him back, it, I always get hurt worse. So I learned very quickly not to fight back when it gets abusive. Um, controlling where I go. Um, He tried to control what I wore to a certain extent, but I just didn't really listen to him about that. Certain shirts I would change um, every once in a while just so I didn't have to hear him, but... More so, it was controlling where I went. Um, For the first year we were together, I was not allowed to work, and I've always worked. He would not let me work, but he wasn't working either. He does not like to work, so I, I had to convince him. He didn't let me work until I was eight months pregnant. Well, no, six months pregnant, and then when I was eight months pregnant, we worked together, so yeah, he would not let me work. Um, he dictated who I talked to. I was allowed to talk to my family, but, um, say he, uh, freaked out on Thanksgiving because we went to my uncle's house for Thanksgiving and hit his it was my great uncle so his son is my great cousin i i haven't seen him in like 10 years so i asked him if he remembered me and he said yes And we started talking about the cousins that we liked and stuff and my son's father instantly like went super quiet and i already knew there was an issue but i didn't see why there was an issue because it's my blood cousin but then we went to his um, mom's house after that. He would not talk to me, the car ride to his mom's house, nothing. Um, his mom lives in a really small house. And when my son's over there, we don't smoke inside. We don't smoke cigarettes inside. So his brother and I went outside to smoke a cigarette. And his brother, um, for whatever reason, does not shower. Um, he actually lived with us for a month and a half. And we had to literally find him somewhere to go because He made our house smell like garbage. It was terrible. So not anything I'm trying to hit on, not anything I would ever get with. Like I said, he actually lived with us for a month and a half. It wasn't an issue then. But because I was smoking a cigarette outside with his brother, he starts tripping out, freaking out. I come inside because I'm like, it's not even worth it. Well, he corners me and he gets me underneath the table and he's trying to hit me. And his mom gets in between us and he's freaking out about how I was flirting with my blood cousin, and now I'm trying to get with his brother. Mind you, this is Thanksgiving. He got me in a headlock, and his mom was trying every way possible to get his arms off of my head, and she couldn't. He finally let go, and he grabbed a chunk of my hair from behind and just, like, pulled my hair and I started screaming because he just pulled like half my hair and um he still didn't stop he was still charging at me his brother jumped on his back and then he went to go for his brother his mom got in between that I'm still trying to get as far as I can underneath this table his sister's screaming that she's gonna call the cops because it's just it's chaotic he's like He's raising his fist to everybody, but he hasn't hit anybody, but his main target is me for whatever reason. And he keeps after everybody's trying to get him away from me, he's still coming at me. He came at me for like five to seven minutes. And then finally, um, his sister really did call the cops and his mom was like, everybody jump in the car. We got to go. And I was bawling my eyes out in the front seat. And then my son's father started crying in the back seat. And when we got back to... Uh, my apartment, he got on his hands and knees and literally begged me to stay with him. That He would never hurt me again. He would never put his hands on me again. And um, I told him I was going to leave that night just to clear my head. I needed to go. I ended up staying with him and rode it out for another year.
0: So on one hand, we have his sister who... Calls the police. But on the other hand. Right here we have. An enabling mother. On his side. Who. Hides him from the police pretty much. And and gets you both out of there. So you have this. Enabling. Going on a little bit here. uh, Or a lot. With this situation. And then you have this. Unhinged person it seems like that has no control when he gets lit up or or whatever happens inside him and he loses it like he has zero control over himself. No. None. Like when that switch is hit, whatever gets hit inside him uh he is gone, like, and I mean that's just not gone. To do that, not just with you there, but all these other people in the room, it's yeah, it's that is, um, that's scary. I mean, someone like that is is you don't know what that type of person is capable of at all because uh-huh. it, it, it doesn't seem like there's a thought going through his head. It's like automatic pilot uh like of rage.
1: Yes, that, yes.
0: <laughs> so, you know, obviously you're, are you like, you're scared? Um, yes. And then when the apology happens, I assume that you uh, let it go. But what is going through your mind at, this point, obviously, this is a high charge situation uh you know tensions are are everywhere, and it's not something that you can easily calm down from or come down from. Are you thinking about leaving at this point? Is this even a thought in your mind?
1: Um, the reason that I did not leave that night is because he swore to me that he would get counseling. Um, that he was going to get help. He was going to be serious about it. Um, and he actually ended up getting counseling, but he would only do it if I was there. So we did like couples counseling for a little bit and then shit hit the fan with that. Our counselor started a bunch of stuff and I think she ended up getting fired for the stuff that she did to us. But, um,
0: explain, explain that.
1: So, um, We smoke weed, um, and we went to counseling, and we actually just ate part of an edible. And I'm a recovering addict, and um, he's not a recovering addict, but he's also on Suboxone. So he wouldn't smoke weed because he kept failing for it for probation. And um, if he failed again, he'd get locked up. So his nurse practitioner put him on Suboxone. I don't know if you're familiar with Suboxone.
0: Isn't that for heroin users to get off of heroin?
1: Yes. um, I am two and a half years clean off of fentanyl, Um, but he's actually trying to call me right now. Um, But yes, I was put on Suboxone for that as a crutch just to help me stay clean. And his nurse practitioner put him on the same thing. So he wouldn't smoke weed, which really makes absolutely no sense. So he was like, "Whatever though he took suboxin in prison, like I said, I'm prescribed suboxin, so at the time he was like taking little pieces of mine and stuff, so he was all for it. He's like, "Yeah, put me on uh suboxin, so our counseling that we did was through like his suboxin program. Well, like I said, we ate an edible, and um, and then that night, the cops came to our house. And they were like, uh, we were called and told that you guys were fucked up on opiates and could not take care of your child. And the cops didn't even come in our house. They literally saw our son sleeping in a stroller in the hallway. And he's like, we can see that you guys are fine, that your child is fine. Mind you, if she thought that we were fucked up in any way on any type of substance, he does his Suboxone program there. They drug test him there. They could have drug tested us right then and there. Well, no, she called, um, child services. So the cops came that night. Um, my son's father got called in for a random drug test, but had five days to get it completed. And then, um, on that Monday, cause that happened Thursday or Friday, uh, Child services came to our house. They drug tested us. Um, we told them that we would fail for weed. They said that was completely fine. Uh, when our drug test came back, there was no opiates in our system because we don't do that. Um, we literally just ate an edible and that caused all of this. Um, and then they were trying to kick him out of his suboxone program and his counseling. The suboxone program would have been fine if he got kicked out of, but if he gets k- kicked out of counseling, then that's a sanction and a violation. So he would have gotten violated by probation and parole. So I had to spend all day on the phone talking to his counselors, talking to his probation officers, talking to his parole officers. And I finally got it. So where we did the counseling at, um, our counselor actually sent in a letter to his probation officer that the director did not approve. And um, it was saying that he got kicked out of counseling, even though I made it so we got him transferred out. So it wasn't a probation and or parole violation. So she got taken to the board for all of that shit because she wasn't supposed to do any of the stuff that she did. And they greatly apologized for child services getting involved, the cops getting involved, just over this one freaking counselor. It was a clusterfuck of bullshit, but... Ultimately, I got him out of that, and uh, yeah, (laughs) I'm pretty sure she got fired over that.
0: So it sounds like here that you are taking care of all of his problems or fixing them for him so he doesn't go back to jail in any sort of way, and that is also a big thing why A lot of people don't call the police if they might get guilted or feel guilty that their partner might go back to prison if the police uh, are called one more time. And with the trauma bond and, and everything and the love you receive, it makes that phone call even more difficult. Does your partner here see how much work you are actually putting into help or appreciate anything that you're doing? No,
1: (laughs) no, I don't, I don't even know if he really thanked me for that. His mom was there because I was actually working with her. Um, She cleans houses for a living. And when I don't work, I go with her just to make a couple extra bucks. And uh, she saw like, how much I was back and forth on the phone that day. Like it was hours. It was all day going back and forth. And she even told him like, you don't understand what your baby mom just did for you. Like you probably are not going to go to court because of this. And he may have said, Oh, thank you. But that was it. He, it wasn't anything.
0: And as far as the abuse goes with the physical abuse and, Uh, Well, specifically the physical abuse. I assume that the controlling behavior is continuous throughout. Uh, Of course. But the physical abuse, is it um, here and there? So you get these reprieves going on? And are there good times that are happening within this time?
1: Yes. Um, So with the physical abuse, if you listen to my abuser, he will tell you I'm the reason that the physical abuse started. I quit touching him for a year because if I would fight back, it would get worse for me. So he would go, I want to say the longest that he went without touching me was probably three months. But especially within the last year, he couldn't even make it to two months. He kept saying like, oh, it's been a week. It's been a month. I haven't put my hands on you in a month. And I'm like, yes, like, yay, I'm how do you haven't put your hands on me in a month, but we've been together a year and a half and you've only not touched me for a month. Like if you really look at it, it's not really something to be that proud of, but I wouldn't knock him down for it because then it it wouldn't do anything in my favor to knock him down for that. But yes, um, he would be physically abusive and then he would make it my fault as to why he had to do it. And then after that, um, especially if I was crying, he would try to love on me. He always tried to force me to love, like, back. Like, if we were fighting, he would force me to kiss him just to, like, try to make up with me, I guess. But I didn't like that because I felt like that was really against my will that I didn't have the choice to make. Oh, I'm pissed at you. I don't want to kiss you right now. No, it's, oh, I'm pissed that you're forcing me to kiss you to make up. And uh, he did that a lot. He forced me to make up with him prematurely before I was ready to forgive him. But he knew that he could do that. So that's why he did it, just to sweep it under the rug. And then he would be nice for like maybe a day or two. But it was never anything that lasted for a super long period of time. It was always back to calling me names or pushing me or cornering me. Um, when I was pregnant, his favorite thing to do was choke me for whatever reason. I don't know why, but yeah.
0: So we recently did a Q&A episode about uh, a relationship of rights, and you've pretty much had your rights violated right from the get-go. Uh, You had the right to say no. You had the right to be free of pressure or coercion. You have the right to be safe from physical abuse, intimidation, and threats. You have the right to your personal space and privacy. You have the right to live without verbal attacks. You have the right to live in a home that's not dictated by the other person's mood. You have the right to a 50-50 relationship. You have the right to express yourself. You have the right to have your feelings be respected. You have the right to defend yourself. And other things that we had on there was, you know, the right to make your own decision and the right to be free of fixing other adults' problems. And also, you have the right to your own finances. And you mentioned it briefly that you... um were told to quit your job. So besides uh, a lot of this other controlling behavior, you had this financial control as well. So yes. what happened to you once the job was gone? What was your life at that point like? Because it sounds like once the job is gone, you're being physically abused. You're being controlled in a lot of different ways. Yes. Um, you're in a prison,
1: Yes.
0: So kind of explain what your day is like, you know, once that happens, um, within the walls of this specific prison.
1: So, um, in the beginning I did have a job. I did end up quitting because I was not able to talk to him while I was at work because of the work I did. Um, and then we moved in together And then we moved to his uncle's house. And like I stated earlier, um, we were there for about six months. That's actually where the abuse uh, started. Um, He wouldn't let me work. I actually, so not working a day in the life over there. Basically, I'm with him 24-7, 24-7, literally showering with him, uh, just doing every single thing. With him, um, and that's the way that he likes it. That's um actually what he has his new girlfriend doing now, aside from he can't actually uh live at where she's living, so he's been sleeping in a car here and there, but <laughs> he likes that I think um he feels as if you're not out of his sight, so um you can't cheat on him, I guess, even though he's going to um, accuse you of cheating on him talking to other people, whatever, because d- deep down he, that's what he's doing. Um, but yes, it's just constantly being with him. You have a disagreement and then you're every foul name in the book. Um, his favorite thing to call me nowadays is a hone of thought. Um, his Favorite thing to call me. It started actually during my pregnancy, which is really fucked up. Um, He used to tell me every single day how fat and nasty I was. He actually still calls me fat and nasty, which is funny because um, I'm now smaller than him. From going through this heartbreak, I've lost like 30 pounds.
0: Um, So uh, what is the relationship that your uh, ex has with your son? And was um, protecting your son uh, one of the reasons why uh, you might have wanted to stay in this relationship so you can oversee things? And also, um, what happened for you to eventually break up with your partner?
1: My son is the only living thing that i have ever seen him love the way he does i am nervous that when my son gets older that um he might lash out on him for getting into more things my son he can crawl and he can stand right now he's 11 months old he but he doesn't really get into stuff he doesn't have free range because he can only do so much um but when i was pregnant with my son I always gave him the benefit of the doubt I was hoping that he would be very good to my son and I always told myself I had until my son was about 12 to 14 months to figure out if I'm staying if we can fix this and if he can get help and work on himself or if I needed to go because um I didn't want my son to grow up being like his father and like his father's father and like his father's father's father they were all abused by their dad and I don't want that and my son's father um watched his mom get beat and um I don't want my son to be around that I don't want my son to think that's okay I don't want my son to see women as a revolving door I don't There's just certain things that he's done when we first broke up. um, He had two other girls that my son met for whatever reason. He did not need to meet them for his dad to only meet them once or twice and then them to be out of his life. And then when he got with this girl, I told him this is absolutely the last girl that he is meeting. Um... If they end up breaking up, then he's going to have to figure it out with where he's living or what he's doing because my son's not meeting just these random people. I don't want him around these random people. I don't know what they could or would do to my kid, and I'm not okay with that. Um, The reason that we did break up is because he... I, I'm going to just tell the story really quick. So he vapes and he always slept like right on top of me and he would fall asleep with his vape and it would usually roll under me when I was sleeping. Um, He woke me up literally sliding his hand down my whole entire body looking for his vape. And I sat up and I was like, Your stupid fucking vape is not under me. Like I was just tired of being woken up every single day like this. And um he punched me in my spine and then he grabbed me and he um pulled me back, choking me. And uh I was hitting him um on his arms, like trying to tap out. And then he finally uh let go of me and the first thing I did was look at my son and he was in his pack and play and he watched the whole entire thing. So I broke up with him for that. And we were actually broken up for like a week and a half, two weeks. And then, of course, he promised he would go to counseling. He promised he would get help. So I slowly like let him ease his way uh, back in. But I've always, I don't know, I've always just hoped the best that he wouldn't hurt our son. And I really have never seen him love anything like he loves our son. Not a dog, not his mom, not me especially not me and um then going back to your other part about uh being in a prison so my mom especially at the end always asked me like when I would say because I love him she'd be like what is there to love what is there to love he is hurting you what is there to love and honestly I that kind of fucked with me for a minute because I would have to think back like what do I really What do I love about him? Like, yes, he is hurting me. He is constantly mean to me. He is never nice to me. He spits on me. He chokes me. He tackles me. He locks me in rooms. He freaking leaves bruises on me. Like what? I I actually burnt myself in the leg one night because he would not let me go to bed. And he kept screaming at me and he was in my face, just screaming at me. So I took my cigarette and I burnt my leg and he asked me what I was doing. And I looked at him and I said, I want to feel anything but this, anything other than this, like I'm done. I just don't want to deal with this. But I think what kept me, um, in that prison is the potential for sure. And, um, the love that he gave me in the beginning, I always, uh, wanted that back. And he would show me glimpses of that love, but it was only after he hurt me. It was never just because he wanted to.
0: And how did you respond to your mom when you asked, like, what did you love?
1: (laughs) I'm pretty sure I told her, I don't know, but she's asked me that um, quite a few times, especially um, while I've been uh, going through the heartbreak I've gone through because it's only been about three maybe it's going on like four weeks now that we've been actually broke up since he discarded me um but I think I said I don't know because um I just I love him as a person I want to say but then again I don't because I love the image I made up of what he could be and or of what he was when he was love bombing me, but now I know in my head, even though my heart feels otherwise, that that's a tactic. Um, It wasn't real, even though it, it feels real. This heartbreak is real, but that person wasn't him. It was just a face he made specifically to win me over
0: and you also said there um that you were discarded so i assume you were you were hoovered back only to be discarded so tell us what happened there
1: so um his cousins um moved from florida in with us. We actually told them no at first, but then um, his one cousin called and was like, Nobody in our family will help us and we don't know what to do because they got kicked out down in Florida. So we said yes, that they could come up here and um, move in with us for a month till they got a job and could get a place. They actually still stay with me, um, which he does not like. But I told him, like, I'm not kicking them out on their ass. Why? Because you want to live in a car? That means they have to live in a car? No. We told them that they had a secure place to stay so that they they could stay with us. Well, I should have just said no to begin with because I already knew what it was. Um, since it's two guys, that means he would follow me around the house all day. I get up at six o'clock in the morning for work. He would get up at six o'clock with me and start screaming at me, waking the whole house up, telling me how I'm showing out. And I'm like, dude, I'm brushing my teeth. Like, how am I showing out? They're sleeping in the living room. How am I showing out? I'm a hoe. I'm a thot. I'm dressed like a hoe. I'm I'm showing out. It was always, I'm showing out. I'm a hoe and I'm a thot. And I'm doing it to get these guys' attention, even though they're like four or five years younger than me. And it's, his cousins and that's my kid's cousins but that doesn't matter. So, we got in a fight. I got off of work, um they actually picked me up his cousins and him picked me up. And of course, um the whole ride home, it was an issue. I'm showing out I'm such a hoe, I'm probably fucking my coworkers. I got that every single day. So, he started um I actually found out what a narcissist was um like the week before uh, we officially, officially broke up and I actually called him a narcissist and he didn't like that. And he actually went and added this girl he's with now on, um, Facebook. And he told me that they were friends back in like middle school. So we were like, not a hundred percent together. It was after he hurt me in front of our son, but for a couple of weeks, he was still Living at the apartment with me, um, we were working on stuff, but I I allowed him to have this friend. I didn't really care at this point, even though if I had a guy friend, it would have been a huge thing. I would have been even more of a hoe in a thought. So he started hanging out with her. And uh, he actually asked me if I wanted to hang out with them. And I straight told him, no, I'm not hanging out with you and your next girlfriend. Like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. So after work, um, we actually, I'm going to back up one step. So he hung out with her till like two o'clock in the morning and at the park, I guess, because she lives with her grandparents. She has three kids. Her grandparents are old school. He's not allowed to stay there with her. So he like bounces from place to place. He always tries to get all freaking four or five of them to be able to stay the night places and his whole family tells him no because they don't know her and that's like two or three extra kids. Like it's a lot, especially kids they don't know. But he hung out with her till two o'clock in the morning. And then um he woke me up by having sex with me. Uh I woke up and we were having sex. And um I actually found out the next day that he made out with her. And then came home and did that. And I was not okay with that. I was really not okay with that. And um, then we can fast forward to when I got off of work. I got home. We were arguing. And I told him straight up. I said, go be her problem. I'm fucking done. I didn't mean it, though. For as many times as we've said that, like, we're done, whatever. We never broke up. Two years later, we were still together trying to work on things. Well, he did. Um... I was under the impression that his mom was coming to pick him up from here that day that we broke up, which was like three Thursdays ago. And uh, I took the dogs outside and I heard a car door slam in the back. And this is going to make me look bad, but it's the truth. So it's okay. Um, I heard a car door slam in the back. So I went to say something to his mom. And I saw a car I'd never seen before. I saw a female driving and I saw my baby dad get in and I ran up on the car and I tried to open the door and it was locked and I punched her window twice and she sped off. And then they stopped at the next stop sign. My son's father got out and he starts coming at me, freaking out on me. And I said, fuck that. I went inside. I'm like, I'm not getting my ass beat by you today. So I just went inside. And then, um like three days later they were dating and yeah he actually spent the night here um last night uh I don't know why I do this to myself she doesn't know they're still dating um he calls me randomly and uh asked me if he can come over for this for this for this to get stuff whatever the first time we actually slept together was uh Nine days after he left, and he, I was actually on my way to work on a Saturday. I uh, was on call and it was like seven o'clock in the morning, and he called me. He's like, Hey, I'm by myself. Can I come up and pack some stuff? I was like, Yeah, whatever. And then he convinced me to have sex with him. So I did. And I actually ended up telling her that we had sex. She only knows about the one time. But him and I this past week got in an argument because uh, his cousins will watch my son in the morning until they have to go to work. They go to work at one. So I usually have to have a babysitter from like 1230 to six when I get off of work. And usually my son's father will watch him during the day. And I take him at night because he doesn't have a stable place to stay at night. So I called him while I was at work and I was like, hey, can you take our son? And he was like, the only way I'm taking him is if you let me. My girlfriend and her kids at the apartment. And I was like, fuck you dude, no, you're not staying at the apartment. With your new girlfriend while I'm working, like that's just, no, it's not going to happen. So he said, okay, I'm not taking him. I said, fuck you. And I hung up on him and he did not take my son. I almost had to leave work. Thank God I found a babysitter. And then the next thing I know, um, his aunt and mom called me and said that, uh, they got a restraining order on me and I, I was devastated. I was very, very heartbroken over it. Um, they used the stuff like me punching her window the first they used the stuff that I said about her the first like three days that we were um broken up and I was like not okay to get this restraining order but it was nothing against him um and then actually I've played with her kids her kids have came to my back parking lot played with my son my dogs so like I don't like her, but I was I apologized for punching her window. I also offered to fix it, and uh, they still um, went behind my back and got a restraining order, even though we were content. Um, I guess because I refused to let him be with his girlfriend at my place while I was at work.
0: Whew. Um, there was so much. There, uh, you are now part of this triangulation that's going on. Um, And uh, you're trauma-bonded still in this situation. You're out, but you're not fully out of the situation at all. Um, You have this restraining order, and I think what you sent me in your notes... Uh, earlier is that you haven't been served with the restraining order, so nothing legally has uh, happened yet in in that way. But there's a lot here. I mean, with him getting into relationships so quick after with someone, with a bunch of kids moving in together like really quickly, wanting to come into your home, it's uh, like zero control here on his end of whatever is going on in his life of how he's trying to keep it together. Uh, you're holding your bounds here as far as your house goes, but as far as um, sleeping with him, um, that is still happening and, and you're just still trauma bonded and it's difficult here for uh, you to get out. So I guess as far as, recency wise, which is last night, uh how did he show up to your place? Like what did he uh what was the guise in which he in which he came over? And now today that I'm speaking to you, um, how do you feel about yourself?
1: To be honest, uh so the first time that we slept together, it really hurt me. Um, but it was Within the first week and a half of us being broken up, and um every time I'm ready to like let go and I try let letting go of him, he just comes back full force, which makes my healing process extremely difficult um today i don't I don't care because he keeps telling me we need to stop cheating on her, and I keep telling him. I'm not cheating on her. That is you. And to be honest, I really feel like if I stayed with him, the roles would be reversed. He would be uh, cheating on me with her. And he actually asked me about that last night and was like, so you really think that? And I said, yes, for as much as you guys were hanging out, plus you made out with her and then came home and had sex with me while I was sleeping. um, Yes, I really feel like if we didn't break up you would be cheating on me because he did cheat on me um throughout our relationship uh I don't he only had sex one time that I know of and that was uh literally like the first month that we were together he slept with his ex and then after that um he just made different snapchats and talked about having sex with people while I was pregnant while I was at work whatever he made like three different ones that I hacked and um, I kind of feel bad for her, but I can't tell her. She she can call the cops on me if I try to contact her. So I'm not telling her. I hope that I am strong enough within the next few weeks to stop, though. I don't want to keep doing this. I don't want to keep having sex with him because I know ultimately it's setting me back in my healing process. And I do know this. Um, don't issue is I feel like it just still gives me a part of him because I wasn't ready to lose him when I did even though I told him to go to be honest I would probably still be in a relationship with him trying to help him even though I know he's a narcissist and he I can't help him he has to want help and he's probably never going to get help which, um, I had to grieve about that too, because I, um, I almost destroyed myself trying to save him the last two years. I did everything in my power to put him first, to always make sure he was good. Um, rub his feet every night, even though I'm the one working 12 hour shifts, like make him dinner right when I get home, clean up his fucking mess right when I get home. And, um, I don't know. I just, I wasn't ready to lose him and it just still gives me a part of him. He told me this morning that he can't spend the night again and I told him that was fine. Like, I don't care either way. It's, I'm just trying to like, I guess, shut off my emotions when it comes to him. So I don't keep getting hurt because I I know in the end it's just fucking me. It really is. and. I just, I'm hoping that I can just get a little bit stronger in my healing process and stop having sex with
0: him. For a lot of people in these relationships, they go back um, numerous times. Um, Yeah. So it's not... Seven. Seven times. So it's not uncommon. Uh, Did you get like an advocate, a domestic violence advocate at all or anything like that?
1: Um, I did not. What I did is, I put my whole life into podcasts. Um, and started really um, like figuring out why he is the way he is, what he is, and I just tried to consume myself with as much knowledge as I could. Um, I've been writing. Um, I write to the universe. I that's really how I pray too. Um, I do have a therapist that I see on Wednesday for the first time. I really want to be in therapy and I made sure it was somebody who, um, specializes in, um, any like narcissistic abuse. Um, I wanted somebody that I can actually talk to about narcissism and maybe they can help me a little bit more in my healing process. Um, I'm also trying to get off of, out of my suboxone program. Um, and I just want to become the healthiest version of myself that I can be. Um, the first two weeks though, was very rough. Um, I cried a lot. I cried a lot at work. I couldn't hold it back. I cried one day. I cried for like seven hours straight and I just let myself cry. Um, if I could give advice to anybody, I, it would be to feel what you're feeling and, um, Just know that it's okay because what we've gone through is not normal and relationships aren't supposed to be like this. Something I know now is um, boundaries are very essential for having a healthy relationship.
0: What was the most loving thing you've done for yourself recently?
1: Um most loving thing. I'll probably tell myself I love myself. And, um, and did you, been, and,
0: and did you believe it?
1: I don't believe it yet, but, um, I've been telling myself like I am beautiful and I actually saw myself in a different light when I looked in the mirror. Um, cause I tell myself this every single day I do my affirmations. I try to anyways, every day, because I know, um, I have to put the all the love that I gave him, I have to redirect it into myself or else this will probably happen again. And I don't want my next love to be another narcissist. I hope that I love myself enough that I can acknowledge the red flags, not only see them, but say, hey, like, this is not okay. And then move forward instead of just staying and settling for he, uh, I settled for two months of love out of two years. The only other time he was nice to me was when I had my double C-section. I will give him props. He did take care of me for the week that I was in the hospital. And he did. Um, He was very nice for the month that our son was in the hospital because he was a preemie. But two months of love out of two years when I tried my hardest and almost gave up my life multiple times to this man. um. Yeah, I just I don't love myself yet, but it's getting better.
0: So you're saying that you got two months of love, and I think when you listen back to this, to whenever this comes out, um, that. You'll hear that I don't even think you got anywhere close to two months of love. Um, it sounds like maybe you got one week, possibly two weeks before things really turned uh pretty quickly. And what you think is acceptable for you, um And what you feel is abuse um, or something that's been normalized for you not to see some of these things. And that's a little bit sad. Um, And I hope that, you know, going forward um, that you see that you didn't deserve any of those things that happened in the first couple of weeks at all. Um, and maybe, yes, you did feel love, but there was a lot of stuff going on during those early days that you didn't deserve either. So once you feel that you've started to learn to love yourself and, um, boundaries became a part of your life, uh, things like that, uh, what do you want from uh, yourself and, 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 and from your life going forward once that love starts, uh, self-love starts kicking in?
1: I just feel like even though I'm low right now, the only place I'm going to go is up and I'm going to proceed to go up. And once I learn to love myself, maybe I can find my actual niche in life and what I'm supposed to be doing. And um, build my life around that and make more money and just, I don't know. I know I'm going to end up on top and uh, my son's father is not.
0: Well, first, I just want to say that everyone listening today is rooting for you and only wants you to come up uh, on top and we're going to be rooting for you hard. And second, you didn't do anything to deserve any of this. Thank you. And you just wanted to be loved, and there's and there's yeah. nothing wrong with wanting to be loved and to have your needs met. Um, and everything that's going on here in the aftermath, or kind of still in it, um. Yeah. Is nothing to be ashamed about or to feel shame about or to feel guilty about. Um, you're in this triangulation now of this Hoover, and, um, you're still in it. You know, you still have a little bit of a road to go to get to the point where, um, you're not going to be in a relationship with them anymore, um, and set up proper, uh, communication between the two where, um, you don't get, uh, sucked back in to what's going on in uh, his life and concentrating on, uh, you instead of, uh, the other person as well. And, um, it's not going to be easy. It's not easy what you're going through. So just to know that we're here for you and that everyone listening is here for you um Thank with you. your process of 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 um, figuring this out. And everyone yes. wants you uh, one day to love yourself, uh take care of yourself first, but you'll get there. You're on the road, you know you've done you've you've done all the research on them and now it's about cutting the ties and and doing the research on yourself to not get back in the situation again. So so I guess before we leave, uh do you have any words of wisdom for everyone uh listening?
1: Um it's okay. Um if you find yourself in a relationship like this, just know that who you fell in love with is probably not who you are still loving, and um they're masterminds at manipulation, and um it's very hard to see them for who they are. It took me two years um it, take, it my neighbor it took her ten um it takes a while, and uh that it is okay to go back um I went back four times, four times before I actually really got discarded. But, I mean, technically, I still am going back to a certain extent. Um, but there are uh, people out here rooting for you um, to get better, to get out safely, and just know that 1% of narcissists will acknowledge that they have an issue and get help in their lifetime. 1%. So don't lose yourself over that 1%. Cause I doubt my narcissist is going to be that 1% even if I pray for it every day.
0: And Riley, one more thing. You are lovable and you are worth it. And Thanks. And um, everyone is giving you a big hug right now and giving you our strength to uh, fight your fight. Um, I'm sure you're tired. So and <laughs> exhausted from, from now two years of being in this and just in this constant uh, battle. It's exhausting. Plus you have a child, um, which is also exhausting, and you're working Um, so we're all, we're all here for you. And we just want to thank you once again for, for being here and sharing your story.
1: And thank you. And, uh, same to you, Brandon, you are lovable and you're very kind. And I appreciate you giving me this opportunity.
0: Well, thank you once again for being here with us, Riley, and if you want to be a guest like Riley was today, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com, top of the page, there is a button that says Guest Form, click on that button, it takes you to our Guest Form page, please read all of the instructions, all of them, and then send us an email at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com, or fill out our Guest Form page and press the Submit button. And if you need support, we have our very own support group at NarcissistApocalypse.com. We have our very own Zoom meetings in our support group. And that's Wednesday nights, uh, Thursday afternoons and Saturday nights. We have our own forum boards on our safe social network. We have ad-free episodes. We have episodes that never made it to air. And if you just want to support our show, joining our support group helps us out a lot. Even if you don't interact on the board at all or do anything there, it just helps out the show by being part of our support group. And... Uh, If you need even more support, please do go visit our friends at DomesticShelters.org. And at DomesticShelters.org, you have articles and resources that can help you make sense of what you are dealing with. They have uh, on there all shelters. You can find any shelter, whatever location you are in the United States, uh, parts of Canada, everything is on there. Uh, So if you need to find a shelter, go to DomesticShelters.org. And it's all free. It's a free resource there. So uh, please go visit our friends at DomesticShelters.org to access this free resource today. And now that is it for our show. A big thank you once again from Riley and from Riley and myself. We hope you have a good night.